coming up on 5-Minute News. Jack Smith proposes January trial for Trump election fraud case. Biden declares major disaster in Hawaii. And Ecuadorian candidate who took on drug cartels murdered. It's Friday, August 11, 2023. I'm Anthony Davis. Federal prosecutors have asked the judge overseeing the criminal case against Donald Trump over his efforts to overturn the 2020 election to schedule the trial for the start of January 2024, saying there was a significant public interest in expediting the prosecution. The written filing from prosecutors in the office of special counsel Jack Smith set an aggressive timetable that Trump's lawyers are expected to seek to substantially delay. A January 2nd trial would vindicate the public's strong interest in a speedy trial, prosecutors wrote. It is difficult to imagine a public interest stronger than the one in this case, in which the defendant, the former president of the United States, is charged with three criminal conspiracies. The eight-page filing submitted to the U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin, who will hear arguments from both sides about the scope of the protective order in the case today, argued it gave sufficient time to Trump to prepare a defence. On his Truth Social platform, Trump criticised the filing. Only an out-of-touch lunatic would ask for such a date, one day into the new year, and maximum election interference with Iowa, he wrote. Last week, Trump pleaded not guilty to charges filed in federal district court in Washington that he conspired to defraud the United States, conspired to obstruct an official proceeding, obstructed an official proceeding, and engaged in a conspiracy against rights. Speedy trial rules exist to protect the rights of the public as well as the defendant, prosecutors wrote, citing an opinion from United States v. Gambino that found the public is the loser when a criminal trial is not prosecuted expeditiously, as suggested by the aphorism, justice delayed is justice denied. The ferocious wildfires that ravaged the Hawaiian island of Maui have killed at least 53 people, officials said yesterday, warning that the death toll will continue to rise, potentially into the hundreds. The catastrophic fires which turned neighbourhoods into barren wastelands and destroyed more than a thousand structures are expected to become the state's deadliest natural disaster since 1961, when a tsunami killed 61 people. The governor said the death toll from the fires would likely exceed that figure. The disaster began on Tuesday night when three blazes broke out on Maui, cutting off the western side of the island. The flames moved so rapidly some survivors escaped by jumping into the ocean and had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. Crews have continued mass evacuation efforts and desperate searches for survivors as displaced residents try to come to terms with what appears to be widespread destruction, particularly in the historic community of Lahaina. The U.S. President Joe Biden on Thursday approved a disaster declaration for Maui, which will allow federal aid to be used to help local recovery efforts for areas affected by the wildfires. He pledged that the federal response will ensure anyone who's lost a loved one or whose home has been damaged or destroyed is going to get help immediately. Biden has said that he had practically declared a national emergency on the climate crisis despite not actually taking that step, vexing climate campaigners. 
I've already done that, Biden said when asked if he intends to declare a climate emergency in a Weather Channel interview aired on Wednesday. He went on to say that under his leadership, the US had protected more land, rejoined the 2015 Paris Climate Accord and passed a $368 billion climate control facility, a reference to the $368 billion in climate and clean energy spending included in last year's Inflation Reduction Act. Asked to clarify if he has declared a national climate emergency, Biden said, practically speaking, yes. Yet the White House has not yet announced such a declaration, despite years of pressure from climate-focused advocates and lawmakers. Doing so would unlock a host of new powers for the president, including the ability to speed the energy transition and block fossil fuel projects without congressional approval. Biden's statement outraged climate activists who noted that it came amid a summer of record-breaking extreme weather events. The Ecuadorian presidential candidate, fatally shot at a political rally, fearlessly took on his country's criminal networks and the political elite that he accused of corruption at the hands of organized crime. Fernando Villavicencio, a journalist before entering politics, waged a years-long battle against the forces that he saw transforming Ecuador, including crime seeping into nearly every aspect of life. The quest made some of his country's most powerful people into his enemies. The 59-year-old received multiple threats and he linked some to Mexico's Sinaloa cartel, a powerful drug trafficking network on the rise in Ecuador. Regardless of the danger, Villavicencio promised in his final speech that he would lock up the thieves. Here I am showing my face. I'm not scared of them, Villavicencio told reporters shortly before he was killed. His anti-corruption complaints made Villavicencio a threat to international criminal organizations, said Edison Romo, a former military intelligence colonel. Groups from Mexico and Colombia largely focused on narco-trafficking have increasingly flocked to Ecuador in recent years, leading to an uptick in violence as traffickers use the country's ports to ship cocaine. Gunfire is heard in many major cities as rival gangs battle for control and gangs have even recruited children. The greatest violence in decades has left Ecuadorians reeling and put critical voices like Villavicencio's in greater danger. 5-Minute News is an evergreen podcast covering politics, inequality, health and climate, delivering independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.